Hi, everybody, and thank you again for tuning into episode eight, which will be the final episode of our first season. So we want to thank you all for tuning in and sticking with us during this time. We will be on a short break and will return for our second season. So we hope that you all will join us again for that. Today, we have two special parks to talk about. The first is Spain's oldest skate park. Now, this spot was actually buried underground until the mid-2000s when it was resurrected by the skateboarding community. And this took them actually a couple of years to do. The second is a park that is still buried beneath the surface, of which is Oregon's first skate park. So kicking off with the first skate park in Spain, and this was built in the mountain region of Arenes de Munt. It was built during 1979 by a businessman, Joachim Rorig. Now, Rorig was influenced by the boom of skateboarding that was happening in the US at the time. And he decided to travel through France to do some research on skate parks that had been modelled off those in the US. Now, Rurig first founded Spain's official skate organization, and that was called Skate Club Catalunya in 1978. He then followed by the construction of skate park Arenes that spanned over nearly one acre. The park was officially opened on July 7th, 1979, and it included a freestyle section for beginners, snake run, and two connected bowls that were nestled beside a half-pipe, and there was also a slalom track. The skate park became a real hub for skateboarding when a number of sports fairs, exhibitions, and tournaments were held there. It was also the first skate park in the country to hold an international tournament during 1979. There apparently were special charter buses also that would take kids to the venue, as it did bring in people from all over the country. So if we dive into a bit more detail about each of the sections in the skate park, the first thing that really grabs your eye is the freestyle section, and surrounding the flat space, there are these walled banks. So it almost looks like a giant bowl or reservoir that is in the formation of a square. Next to the freestyle section, there are two bowls that are placed side by side and are connected via a roll-in section. The third is a bowl section that is actually at the end of a snake run that runs downhill. You also have a half pipe that sits in between the snake run and the slalom sections that runs down the entire side of the skate park. Now, from the old footage we've seen, it looks like you can actually roll into the snake run from either end of the half pipe. There was also a reception and bar on the property, and there is a flyer in one of the links in the podcast description below that actually has a map of this place. So be sure to check that out, and you will kind of be able to see exactly where each section is situated. Now, there are some really nice older videos that actually feature this park, and I have also added those into the description as well. 
So the park's popularity continued until the early 80s, until there was a pretty big decrease in the popularity of skateboarding, which was happening throughout the entire world at the time. Now, during this time, the residents in the area started complaining that the skate park was actually attracting homeless people, and there was also some drug use that was happening in the location, which is when the owners of the facility decided to close the park and bury it in 1984, which pretty well left no trace of the skate park whatsoever. Now, during the 90s and also 2000s, there were rumours that were circulating about Spain's lost skate park and the very first skate park to be built in Spain, and interest for this place started to grow. Yet, there was very little information about this place, and it was not until actually 2010 that some skaters started to think if it was actually possible to recover this spot. So this kind of started to become a bit of an obsession for a group of local skaters, and they were in the process of gathering as much information about this place as possible. So they finally decided to break out the shovels and picks and start excavating the site. The crew began working on the freestyle track and actually cleared it entirely. And once they finished that, they got more motivation to start to try and recover the bowls. They actually used the map that was on one of the flyers for the park that I mentioned before to give them an understanding of where to start digging. Now, after taking a rod and testing the grounds on where they thought the bowls were located, they finally hit what they thought was cement. And then after clearing a small area, they actually realized that they had found the radius of the coping from one of the bowls. So as you can imagine, their motivation started to rapidly increase as they found the first portion of one of the bowls. Yet it was a very painstaking task that in total did take several years. Now, they encountered metal scrap big blocks of concrete, old 80s Coke cans, stickers, and even parts of the old bar that were located on the skate park. So the ground was just full of basically scrap and rubbish. And also too, not having any real heavy machinery to help them out, it is really impressive that they managed to excavate the two connecting bowls. So after they dug out the bowls, there was some repairs that needed to be done on the coping, yet all in all, it was pretty well intact. I can just imagine the amount of anticipation once they finally got to the final stages of excavation. It must have just been amazing, and they would have been really just dying to get in there and skate it. So the skate park was finally opened again during March 7th, 2012. They also managed to excavate parts of the old snake run, yet it is still in pretty bad shape with lots of sections still covered with sand, only really standing less than half as deep from its original depth. The bowl section at the end is in the same shape with only really a small resemblance of what it once was. The half pipe, however, is not visible anymore and it may have just been totally destroyed when it was buried. We are not really sure about that. Now, the entire story and process of 
the excavation is actually captured in a short documentary called Digging, and I have provided a link in the description below. There's also a really cool aerial shot of this place that was taken in more of the modern times of what it actually looks like now, and that is listed in one of the articles that I've also linked below. So if you ever are in this part of the world, Skate Park Arenes is a must to check out for any traveller. The skate park still looks super fun to skate, and it's just amazing the amount of work that was put in to get this place resurrected. So really hats off to the guys that made that happen. So moving on, we will take a trip to Coos Bay in Oregon. Now, this skate park was recommended to us by a follower of ours on Instagram. So shout out to Shad for sparking our interest in this place. He also has really the only video documentation of this skate park that we know exists. So please be sure to check this video out and also his YouTube channel in the links in the description below. So in order to tell this story accurately, we need to take a trip back to 1974. Now, a speedway was opened up in Coos Bay, Oregon, called Ken Kell Park. And this was a major racing facility that was constructed by a guy called Melvin Spates. Now, this place actually still exists today, yet it is called the Coos Bay Speedway. So for years, Ken Kell Park was the scene of a variety of motor shows. Now, at the same time, another interest was growing by another business owner in North Bend, Oregon. A guy called Rob Maney, he owned a bicycle shop, yet took an interest in skateboarding. Now, he was influenced by some kids that were coming into his bike shop and asking if he actually sold skateboards. This sparked an idea for Rod, and he started selling boards. It was not long after this that Rod began organizing local skateboarding contests. Some of these local competitions were gathering around 300 to 400 spectators. He is even quoted saying that, he believes that skateboarding is here for good, and he believed that it would be in the Olympics in the near future. So a bit of an interesting visionary Rod was. Rod would eventually start attracting not only locals to his competitions, but also out-of-towners started competing. Now, when reading through a number of articles dated towards the start of 1977, it looks like Rod would organize these tournaments anywhere that really had free space, so including local high schools, more car parks, and this is where he would discover the popularity for the sport and also give birth to the idea of creating the first concrete skate park in Oregon. Now, on our travels researching this particular skate park, it was brought to our attention that the world's first skate park was actually opened in Oregon on the 1st of July, 1965. Now, this place was called the Albany Skateboard Center. And the spot was a 600-foot wooden track that was built on stilts above the ground, which kind of looked like a wooden boardwalk. It was the design concept that they were looking to sell as a type of packaged prototype. And this was the same track that was actually later sold and built in Kelso, Washington in 1966. There is a great article on early skateboarding history during 1964 and 1965 that we learned a lot from 
And this has been done by the Concrete Disciples, which I've linked below. And this was actually an eye-opener because I always thought that, and how most people think actually, is that Surf City in Tucson, Arizona was the first skate park, yet this was actually opened on the 3rd of September, 1965. At any rate, if we fast forward to 1977, Melvin Spates, owner of Ken Kell Park, and Rob Maney struck a deal, and the Speed World Skateboard Park was opened which was located on the grounds of Ken Kell Park. We can't actually get a date for when this place was opened. From our research, it would have had to have been either between May and early June 1977. And what was built was a bowl that was in the shape of a horseshoe. And in the center of it, there was a bank transition that would allow you to roll between both sides of the horseshoe. At the steepest part of the bowl, there was a six-foot vert section which we have been told was pretty gnarly. Now, there is pretty much zero documentation of the park, but you can check out the video taken by Shad during 1998 when he and his buddies snuck into the park. There was also a slalom track that was set up, which was also used as a go-kart track. Now, I have to actually read from a paragraph that was written about the skate park in the World newspaper in Coos Bay that was published in July 1977. And they did this sort of small write-up on the skate park. And it's just really funny, the style of writing, in particular from somebody who has no idea about skateboarding. So this is a direct quote. They have their own bus line. They have more safety equipment than a nuclear power plant. They have a horseshoe-shaped concrete bowl to ride in. Complete with a safety patrolman who can handle its six-foot sides like a mountain goat on four wheels. Now, during the same time it opened, there were a few skateboard contests that were held at Speedworld. The only one that we can find documentation of was during the 2nd and 3rd of July, 1977, which was called the Northwest Skateboard Tournament. Some people that I've reached out to over social media have said that there was a contest that was called the West Coast Skateboard Championships, and I am pretty sure we're both talking about the same competition. There are a few mentions of it also being called the West Coast Skateboarding Championship in some advertisements that were listed in some old newspapers, yet at any rate, it was actually hosted by Russ Howell, a freestyle champion that is now a Skateboarding Hall of Famer, and the competition included freestyle, slalom, ball riding, high jump, long jump, consecutive 360s, long distance riding, and four-man relays. Now, the only other competition that potentially could be the West Coast Skateboarding Championship and the fact that it's a different competition to the Northwest Skateboarding Tournament is that after the Northwest Skateboarding Tournament, there was a second competition that was run on the Labor Day weekend, and that was actually in September of 1977. So this potentially could be the West Coast Skateboarding Championship, and they are two separate competitions that both were actually hosted by Russ Howell. We are not sure. Now, apart from a few competitions, I've been informed that there was also a competition at some point sponsored by Pepsi that was held at Speedwell. Although in general, documentation of this place is just super scarce. 
I reached out to a few groups on Facebook to see if I could track down any more information about this place and also any details of when it closed. And what I could find is that it was said a kid snuck into the park after hours and managed to break his arm in the horseshoe bowl. And then after the incident, the kid's family decided to sue Kenkel Park. So not long after this event, the skate park shut and the bowl was actually filled in with wood and metal to prevent anyone else from sustaining further injuries. We are unsure of what year this was, but by judging from the lack of information and articles that were published on this place in 1979, I'm assuming that it was either during 79 or 80 when it actually shut. Now, I do really feel sorry for Rob Maney though, and when I was researching this place, his excitement and just general love for the sport of skateboarding really shines through. And in general, I feel that he was really quite proud of what he had created at Speed World Park. In some of the articles, he mentions just spending days at the park with his wife and admiring the level of skateboarding. He makes mention numerous times of his respect that he has for skateboarders and the level of difficulty it takes to ride. So it seems like he was just a really good advocate for the sport back in the early days. And really to have the park shut in this fashion really does just not do justice to the work that he put into the sport. And I really feel that Rod was a real pioneer in the early days of, you know, organizing and setting up these contests for kids. And he definitely was a bit of a visionary and saw just how important the sport was and, to be honest, just how popular it was becoming. Now, following the park's closure, its history again is very hazy. So from some comments that I have read online, it seems like there were people that would still sneak into the park and skate, and by judging by Shaz's video from 1998, it was totally cleared out at periods, as the bowl was very rideable towards the end of the 90s. I've even tried jumping on Google Earth and checking the aerial shots of this place back in the 80s, and a lot of the historical aerials are really bad quality until you hit around 2004, and then you can see pretty clearly that the bowl is visible. So we are guessing that from at least 98 to 2004, this place was rideable. Now today, it is totally filled in. You can, however, still see the go-kart track that they used for slalom that is next to it, yet the bowl is buried underground. It would be really interesting to know if this could still be salvageable like skate park arenes. It would make an amazing story to try and excavate this place and see what remains. At any rate, this spot and its history are so valuable, and to meet its end in this way is a really sad story. So even though both skate park arenes in Spain and Speedworld in Oregon suffered a similar fate, the situation today cannot be more different. And what I have trouble understanding though is the total lack of documentation for Speedworld. Being the first concrete skate park in Oregon, I would have expected it to be in some magazines or even in some of the spot guides that were released in the National Skateboard Review. And also just some of the competitions that were held there they're not listed in the National Skateboard Review either during the dates that they ran. And I mean, they did have Russ Howell there, who was basically like the front man for the competitions. It's a bit strange that none of these things are listed. I also can't find this park listed in any documentation of sort of like old spot guides from 
the parks that existed in the 1970s. So again, it's really just sort of dropped off the map, even though it is a incredibly important park that still does have a lot of history and have a lot of memories with people from the 70s, 80s and 90s. Now, if there is anybody who has any more information about Speed World and can fill in some of the blanks, then that would be amazing if you would contact us via our Facebook page, which is the Skateboarding Crucible. We really thank you all for tuning in to our first season of Skate Spot Pod. As we said in the introduction, we will be back in a couple of weeks. We can't give a definite time when we'll be back with season two. So we need to go away and do some further research on more exciting skate spots that we can deliver to you all. If you do have a skate spot, that you think is really cool or a skate park that you would like to bring to our attention, then please contact us as well at our Facebook page, which is the Skateboarding Crucible. We have also launched an Instagram account under the same name, the Skateboarding Crucible. So we really appreciate you all listening into season one. We'll be back with season two very shortly. Take care. Have a great evening. Have a great morning. Thanks very much.